Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Armchair Booking. I'm Steve, and my co-host is Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. How you doing, guys? And we are so very fortunate to be here. We had some some difficulties with my car, but I managed to make it because failure is not an option. Right, Kyle? You adapted, you overcame, and now there is a podcast. Yes. And tonight, we're going to be discussing Scott Steiner's WCW World Title Run. Please refer to him as the Big Bad Booty Daddy for the rest of the podcast. What if I want to refer to him as Big Papa Pump? That's a good one, too. <laughs> we, Man, I should not use, we should not use his less famous White Thunder nickname. No, that one just sounded bad. And but we, Scott Steiner, Bay City, Michigan, it is going to be his 58th birthday here, July 29th. And as you know, I'm a big fan. I'm sorry. So we're going to call him the 1990 and early 2000s version of your favorite wrestler, Brock Lesnar. Wow. <laughs> I'm kind of stepping in deep tonight, aren't I? Well, the the one thing about Scott Steiner that you have to talk about is th- this man was a legit Division One All-American wrestler. He, him and his brother Rick uh, wrestled at the University of Michigan, go blue. And he, he placed as high as six in, in the a- amateur Division One finals. Well, and 190 national? pounds. There's a national ranking? National ranking. So wow. he, he was legit. Trained under Jerry Graham in Toledo, Ohio, not too far from you. And started in the World Wrestling Association in early 86. Did a, a little bit of time down in Memphis. Got into a minor scuffle with Bill Watts down in Mid-South who we talked about a little last week. And as we know him, in 1989, joined World Championship Wrestling and started teaming with his brother Rick, where they accumulated quite the tag team career. I liked watching Scott Stein. I mean, when I first started watching him on WCW, back when he first started there, his Frankensteiner move, and I have a hard, really hard time calling it Hurricane Rana because, to me, it's always going to be a Frankensteiner. You know, props to you there, Scott, if you're, for some reason, if you're listening. You know, um, but it'll always be a Frankensteiner. It always impressed me as somebody, because he was definitely not 190 pounds. I mean, but that, no, he had, he, oh, man, he bulked up a lot. He was up to uh, 240, 250 That's by right. 92 when the Frankensteiner – became uh, an innovative move, Um, quite the uh, display of athleticism, the Steiners with the top rope bulldogs, the Frankensteiner, the Steiner screwdriver, which was the suplex into a front uh, two-stone pile pile driver. Yeah, I love that move. Um, Not exactly a safe move, but I love that move. 
they they got in the ring and they suplexed the piss out of people because they could. Hey, and you know, there there's something about that time period, early '90s WCW, where it just looked more real. And obviously, when you have real wrestlers, you get a real product. Yeah, when you have somebody with that, that a good amateur background, you know it's going to look like the real product because most of it probably is. And especially if we have one amateur wrestler against another amateur wrestler. So, so I, I was I was a big fan uh, of the Steiners in the late '80s, early '90s. Followed them to the WWF. Remember watching SummerSlam, I think ninety four where they wrestled the heavenly bodies and then they left WWF um, kind of disappeared off my radar until 96 where they returned to WCW and Scotty Steiner looked like he had put on 30 pounds of rock hard muscle on top of what he already had Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Because when I was watching, um, well, you recommended the match with him and Flair back in 92. Uh, it was 91. It was during that time frame. Uh, Flair actually was not the champion during, uh, for this match. Um, they said it was a part of the gauntlet. I think Vader may have been the champion. And they said Flair was like third in line behind Luger and Sid Vicious. So my only guess is Vader must have been the champion at the time. But I watched that match, and I had already watched um, some of the stuff earlier in the day. I had about, probably about 15 minutes before that. And there was a huge difference between his size in 1991 and what it was um, in the time frame of, you know, 97 through probably 2005, 2006. Because I, I watched all these promos. There's a, a clip on YouTube that's about 22 minutes and nothing but him doing promos. And he, he was, I mean, he was, he wasn't a small guy in 91, but he looked, no, he walked up to Scott Steiner. Um, want to say he was six one. I know I'm in a picture next to him. He's not much taller than me, but gosh, he, he, by by ninety eight he had been two ninety and thirty of that was in his arms. Yeah. I mean he looked like he had a couple of little small like the little dodgeballs just sitting on his arm. That's what his muscle looked like. I mean, just massive. So this period uh is where right around nineteen ninety eight he and his brother Rick, they were wrestling the the Outsiders at Super Brawl, and he turned on Rick, middle ring suplexed him, helped the the Outsiders win the tag team championship, and the following night he comes out in what was the predecessor to the Big Papa Pump gimmick. As superstar Scotty Steiner. And he should have known that the superstar wasn't going to 
uh, carry very well because there was only one superstar, and that's Billy Graham. Well, it was in reference to Billy Graham. Oh, I know. As an homage. Oh, I know. But and he he had to change it and make it his own. Yeah, which and he that's did. Where he he changed to Big Papa Pump, went through some nicknames, started coming out with his Oakley sunglasses and his gold chainmail headgear which when he came I, out honestly, to the ring. I hated the chainmail. I could never, ever, you know, get behind that look. So, but I, I, I was a, a a big fan. I may have had a chainmail hat, <laughs> or, and I, when if we ever talk about him, I'm still looking for the Buff Bagwell hat. The one that just says Buff. The one that said Buff. Because his prominent role in the NWO happened to be with Buff Bagwell. And they were paired together, as you would say, uh, until he kicked Buff out in 1999. But this is where Steiner, he's a generic tag team wrestler. He had done everything he could with his brother, Rick. And then he breaks away. And, I mean, you go in the NWO, that's where all the heels were at the time. He's a cool heel. But now you start to see that he's elevating as a singles wrestler and starts off with the world TV title, won the U.S. heavyweight title, and then in late 99 has a back injury. And I don't know if you remember this, but he faked his retirement from professional wrestling. I believe we actually talked about that either last week or the week before how we faked it. Either that or we just talked about it offline. And what what he did is he faked his retirement, came out, and at the end of the night, he attacked Sid Vicious and they had reformed the NWO into one of their many versions. A little bit later, the NWO is a dying concept. So he becomes, as an older superstar, becomes part of the Millionaire's Club. And that was the heel faction for Russo and Bischoff's New Blood stable. And he once again goes into the U.S. title tournament. And in this case, he defeats the wall. He beats Mike Awesome and then chokes out Sting and won won the U.S. title. This is a good period. Uh, if you're a Steiner fan... Because one thing Scott Steiner always did before his matches was he got promo time. And Scott Steiner on a mic was absolute gold. Well, the promos that I watched today, Scott Steiner on a mic sounded like a 13-year-old going through puberty. 
um, and just learn and just learning about well, thirteen year old football player who thinks he's the the biggest badass there is. Um, because some of the things, some of his promos, I'm like, Dude, you can do better than that. You're smart than that. Um, and some of them, some of the old time um, owners, promoters, um, they would have ripped him a new one. Because I don't know if you've ever read Chris Jericho's book, at least his first book. When he talks about when you're doing a promo, do not denigrate your opponent too much. Um, because Scott Steiner starts talking about you're you know you're old, you're fat, you're this, you're that. Problem is, if you beat him, all you did was beat an old fat guy. If he beats you, you got beat by an old fat guy. Well, so, I, I I look at it different because I do understand your point. Hogan got upset um, over the Warrior doing the promo like that. Scott Steiner had the best body in wrestling. Oh, he did. In the year. In the year nope. 2000. No argument for so, me. What, what, what he's doing is he's pointing out that Ric Flair was in his, what, late 40s, early 50s. And, and I don't know how old. But he, he was pointing out that Ric Flair has more skin, more loose skin than a Sharpay puppy. That line is tremendous. And he starts pointing out things, and I say he's gold because put Scott, not that he would make it in today's environment. So let's say standards and practices wouldn't allow him on TV right now. But by by the year 2000, the WCW product is boring and it's just old. So it, yeah, it it did seem like in in 2000. I mean, I and I think we've discussed before too. Um, I wasn't really able to watch WCW because I was stationed in Japan, and they were showing WWE on um, the Armed Forces Network. They were not showing WCW. And the WWE, well, I'm sorry, WWF at the time that we were watching was usually about three or four weeks behind at the time, yeah. and they did yeah they didn't show that on Japanese channels. Uh, that we could get. So that, so, so a lot of that, love that I didn't miss. I could only see pictures and stuff online, but I actually couldn't watch other uh, shows. So WCW 2000, the um, the Steiners had broken up. So you got all these singles wrestlers. You had the NWO, and they were they were done. Like they should have disbanded after Sting. Should have beat Hogan in '98 or '97. It didn't happen. That that Starcade, just a disaster. Didn't go over the way it, it was planned. Then you get Bret Hart, who gets his his career ended. So you have Hulk Hogan, who's still on top. Back, backstage politics. His career. And WCW ends at Bash of the Beach 2000. Jeff Jarrett is your WCW heavyweight champion at the time. Jeff, Jeff Jarrett, me, Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett to me is – Jeff Jarrett is a U.S. champion or slash intercontinental champion slash he's the 
the mid-tier champion to me at best. He is not the guy to carry. He's not the guy to be the face of your company as the world champion. And he's a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong. And, I, um, and some people will probably disagree with me there. But I do believe Jeff Jarrett is a good wrestler. You know, he does know how to bring it. But his outfits were goofy. The little thing with the three straps on it, that went up. That one, I, I don't know what he was thinking there. Um, so you you had the year 2000, and the way WCW booked, and this is in Jericho's book, the the radicals had already left. Mm-hmm. So Benoit had left. Guerrero, Jericho, Malenko, Saturn had all left. Um, your top stars, Hogan, was not putting anyone over. Nash was putting himself over. Goldberg was hurt. Um, Luger was disinterested. Your your top stars were making millions of dollars and just not wrestling. Which had been a long time problem with WCW. That wasn't just a recent thing. That was that had been going on for at least a decade. So they they bring in all this new blood from the power plant. Um, the natural born thrillers being one, and you bring in some ECW guys, uh, Shane Douglas being one. Uh, Raven was there. Saturn we already talked about. He had already left at that point. Stevie Richards, Mikey Whiplash, Sandman was there as Hardcore Hack. Terry Funk was there, and they Mikey, they had Mike, signed Mikey Whiplash or Mikey Whip Mikey Whipwreck. Did I say Whiplash? Yeah, which sounds like awesome. a thing to say. Um, and they had signed Lance Storm, and Lance Storm was getting a a decent push in WCW 2000. Um, but in this period, you had the AOL Time Warner purchase had already happened. It was already in process. The older stars were not fading away. They were continuing to collect a check. And, and the product itself was well, well behind the WWF at that point. So when I say Steiner's gold on the mic, when Scott Steiner came out and you were watching WCW wrestling, you stayed until he finished before you changed the channel back to WWF. Well, do you, uh, I think he, he, was, Steiner, he was not going to get people to come to the arena, especially people with kids. Well, at that point, the kid part of wrestling had long passed because the WWF was putting out a very perverted product. And I bring up Armageddon 99 as an example where uh, the cat went topless in the... um, what was it, a Jello match? Or Well, who was the head writer for the WWF at the time? Stone Cold. The head writer? Or so? Well, 
the head writer was Russo when all that was going on. And then McMahon and McMahon, that whole time period, 90, 98 to 2002, the attitude era. Every other word was suck it. You were getting flashed in the crowd. Like if you brought your kid to a wrestling event, you had to know what you were getting into. But wrestling will always have that audience that are, I don't, I'm not going to say little kids, because little kids, I think, you know, sometimes the, um, even though they've toned down, you know, some of the action, uh, but the, I mean, by its very nature, it's violent. You know, but I'm talking right. about the, but the 10 year olds through whatever, you know, a lot of kids, because I mean, I was 10 when I started watching. And we, we watched a different product, so we did. Uh, they, I mean, they, it would be kind of borderline, you know, some, some stuff back then. Um, I mean, now some of the storylines they did back then, you couldn't do now for other reasons. And you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to go into that. Yeah, some of those <laughs> when, like, yeah, a lot of the a lot of racial about- stuff. You think about the WWF product. We watched May Young give birth to a hand. Yeah, and whoever did that, whoever wrote that, needs to be slapped upside their head. And I mean, you can bring up terrible angles all day, but for the time period, for what WCW and WWF was, Scott Steiner was one of the few reasons. You turned in if you were a WCW fan to the end, which I was. Watch. Oh, I was I was a WCW supporter, like I said, up until the end. Um, promos, though, were not exactly my favorite. Of course, I mean the reason why I kind of strayed away from WWF was because of like a lot of the the storylines you're putting up there. All right, great. Cat just got up there and you know showed a boobs to everybody. What was the point? So you know, just to, just to draw in your your uh, late teenager, early twenty year old male, then that's it. And and what then? What else are you going to do? Eventually, are just are they just going to try to make it into a, a striptease show? Let's just get rid of wrestling. That was that. Yeah, they came close. So. To me, Scott Steiner, when his pairing with Buff Bagwell was always entertaining when they talk about themselves, their bodies, uh, different girls they were allegedly hooking up with. Um, and, and Steiner just talking about himself in the third person about his conquests or his ex- escapades. I mean, it was so ridiculous and over the top that you had to watch. But he, it, to me, he got a little too graphic with some of that. I, I do think that was just his his character, and that the in no no one in WCW at that time had any control or authority to rein him in. Oh no, they had control and they had authority to rein him in. Just nobody did it. Nobody wanted to do it. No. I guess they were afraid of him. Because uh, he, he did make Terry Taylor his uh, 
lazy friend when Terry Taylor was in charge. He demasculated him and got suspended for a week. Steiner um, may have had some pharmaceutical aggression issues backstage. Oh, you think? (laughs) That prevented a true control, but standards and practices, like they never put a censor on Steiner. He, he ran pretty free. And some of what he said about Ric Flair and his backstage politics about Kimberly page and how she ruined Sonny's career in WCW over some drug allegations and some of the backstage stuff that the old timers were doing that that was cutting edge revealing the curtain type stuff for the time period. Well yeah, he was throwing pipe bombs before it was even a term. So that's yeah, that's one it, way you can look at it. it. As far as like to me his promo ability had taken over like his body, his matches at that time, he did have a back injury. He did have in, injuries to his feet. Like, it's not natural to hold that amount of muscle without no, consequence. And he he was paying paying the price a little bit. And his promo ability or his antics in the ring showing up his opponent, it made him more entertaining as a performer and it was starting to make up for his loss of ability as a wrestler. Which, oddly enough, I think one of the things that made it, um, in a way, hurt his ability as a wrestler because he didn't, couldn't have moved was because he had bulked up so much. It's, a, it's very possible. It's a unique obsession. Once you put on muscle, um, I, I when I had last saw you or for your wedding, I had 15 and a half inch arms. And I, they were shapely and I was working all the time. And I will openly say at that time period, all I wanted was 20 inch arms. And Scott Steiner, Buff Bagwell, they were my heroes. Uh, well, the last and, time you and I saw each other was in Las Vegas in 2004, in August 2004. And, and you, at that point, yeah, you had, definitely bulked up. I had 17-inch arms. Okay, but yeah, you had and definitely it, bulked up though since you know, uh, five, in five years. Five years. From, from there, it's you want 18 inch arms and I'm up to 19 and a half. Now the pursuit 18 is not enough. 18 and a half is not enough. So that body thing, once you get to a certain point, there's a instinct in your mind, which is a different discussion that you want to go. You want to push the envelope. And I think Hulk Hogan did it. The Ultimate Warrior did it. You have a a limited time period in, in wrestling where you can make the most amount of money possible. 
And what Steiner did with his body, his promos, it made him a multimillionaire. And, and being a, a thousandaire, like I, I look at that and like, good for you, man. Um, but but so WCW 2000. Let's talk about where he won his championship. At this point, Jeff Jarrett had wrestled Booker T at Bash of the Beach 2000 after the Russo pipe bomb against Hogan. Booker T won the t- title, became the second black heavyweight champion in WCW history. And Booker T was a tremendous champion. One of the things with Booker T is he got the title and his his knee was tore up. And one of the things with wrestling is you wrestle while you're hurt mm-hmm. until you can't wrestle no more. And Booker T, he wrestled Jarrett he wrestled Sting, some other guys. Scott Steiner had won a tournament to become the next contender and wrestled Booker T at Halloween Havoc and lost. Got a rematch at an event called Mayhem in November of 2000. Choked Booker T out in the middle of the ring with a straight jacket and a a pipe. And what a visual for to end a pay per view. The the man put Booker T in a straight jacket, choked him out uh, with some post post match antics, busted up his knee to. allow Booker T to have surgery. But this became not only his coronation as heavyweight champion, but he would injure his opponent so they could not wrestle him again. Which is not a bad um that's not a bad gimmick, except for eventually you're gonna run out of opponents. You know, you can't do that too often. Um unless you know they're you're just constantly being fed, being fed, being fed. So how this sort of worked is you had Booker T became the first. The next night you saw him challenge Stevie Ray, his brother, and he defeated Stevie Ray on Nitro. He went through Ernest Miller, Hugh Morris, basically what was left of the WCW roster. So not that these were main event players, but they were the best of the mid card that was left. So in in this case, his first real opponent was Sid Vicious. And that happened at Starcade. And by this point, Starcade had moved to December. It was no longer Thanksgiving. Right. He he beat Sid Vicious. 
pretty pretty clean, but this was the last Starcade I went to. It was um, in D.C., so I had went to three total while I was at Fort Meade. And um, this is the last WCW event I saw live. And overall, the the card, Lance Storm had a good match. Steiner was all right, but I was a big fan, so my view is cloudy here. And you start to see WCW's kind of on its last leg going into the year 2001. And, and this is probably where you, you're you in Japan and you're not seeing as much as I am here. I'm, I'm only seeing stuff posted on the internet. And unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't watch watch any kind of videos um, because that also was not a thing at the time. You know, but everything was still dial-up. So WCW starts off and they had this event that they called Sin. And Ric Flair basically starts off this event, and he says, Scott Steiner is going to get four, appoint- four opponents, and it's going to be Sid Vicious, it's going to be Jeff Jarrett, and then it's going to be a surprise opponent who turned out to be Road Warrior Animal. And the worst surprise ever. Like, what a dud. Because Animal is not a singles wrestler, for one thing. Um, No. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I mean, he's still, you know, pretty tough. But Animal and Hawk, I could never see either one of them as breakaway singles guys. So, you know, you have this event, and you're basically putting Steiner's most logical opponent, which is Goldberg. That's the biggest star left. And Goldberg's in a tag team match with Dwayne Bruce, who was Sarge of the State Patrol from early 90s WCW. And you have him wrestling Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell. Where if Goldberg lost, he would would be kicked out of WCW. And no lie, they had Goldberg lose, and this would have been the perfect opportunity because Steiner and Goldberg had wrestled uh, once at Fall Brawl, where Steiner won, choking Goldberg out in the Steiner recliner. Two weeks later, he beat Steiner on a Nitro, and it would have been 1-1, and you could have done the third match pay-per-view and put Goldberg's career up, and that would have been way better than the match we got. What do you think? Well, um, I'm sorry, I got a little bit distracted. My daughter just texted so she's on her way home, so... Um, During that time, because and I can just read about it, because I actually pulled up that that uh, pay per view on Wikipedia right now. I'm reading about it a little bit, as, about as much as what I can. Um, 
So, all right, what was the question again? What, what do you think we should have done with him? So, uh, in, instead of the four corners match that we got with Road Warrior Animal, why not put Steiner and Goldberg in the main event and same, same career stipulation if you want and have Steiner go over Goldberg if you're kicking him out anyway? Yeah, that actually would make sense. <laughs> um, because the the main event we got for Steiner, which worked at the time, but this was Sid Vicious's career-ending match. Was this the one where he, he did it? He broke his leg. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that was ooh, that one. Just it gives me the heebie-jeebies just even thinking about it because I've seen the video a few times. And <laughs> so now Steiner's wrestled two pay-per-views and basically ended. Um, at that point, he was on like his fifth career because you know he. He claimed retiring Sid Vicious on his mantle. So he goes into Super Brawl 2001, and he puts the title up against Kevin Nash for Kevin Nash's career. And he ends up beating Kevin Nash and retiring him from WCW. Um, well, Kevin and, Nash probably needs to be retired. And his last match that he ends up wrestling as um, champion before he gives up the title is Diamond Dallas Page because they had had an argument in the back that had carried over into into a Steiner promo about Kimberly Page. And he wrestled DDP, and he ended DDP's WCW career. And it was a good match, but they had a legitimate backstage fight that um, DDP walked out. Him and Kimberly never came back. And now he and Kimberly aren't even together anymore. Not now, but at the time, that, (laughs) that was his wife. Mm-hmm. So Steiner, at this point, his title run, he's not just beating people and talking about it. He's ending careers. And then the WWF purchased WCW, and you go to the last Nitro, and Booker T ends up beating him in the middle of the ring. Uh he does business. He puts over Booker T, and Booker T goes into the WWF as the final WCW heavyweight champion. And you know that particular Monday Nitro was the one and only, you know, Nitro that I watched once we returned back to the states. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, and all the reason I even watched it was because I saw all the headlines that said WWF has purchased WCW and my reaction was do what? Cause I'd been out of the loop because, because of everything. Um, well, you know, the situation, my personal life at the time, I don't want to get into that, but yeah, but we were, I was not even paying attention to any kind of wrestling at all. And then I saw that. So I decided to watch and I was 
kind of flipping back and forth at the point where they had both Nitro and Raw were being it was they, essentially it was the same show. Yeah, they simulcasted. Yep, they simulcasted from it was it was near Pensacola, it was like Fort Walton, something like that. Um, and the WWF was in Cleveland, I think. I could be wrong. But, but yeah, that was the one and only WCW show that we watched, you know, once we returned back to the States. So, you have Steiner at this period, and really, the the question goes for, as you discussed, Steiner, tremendous wrestler in the early 90s. Then he yeah. transitioned to more of an entertainer in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he has went on. He, he won championships after he left. He had a disaster of a feud in the WWF. He went to TNA where his promos of Steiner Math are stuff of legend in yep. a bad way. Well, apparently he didn't like Samoa Joe very much. I can tell that. Um, and that, now he is he is wrestling uh, still occasionally on the independent circuit. But the man is one of very few who was a mid-card wrestler in WCW during the absolute peak of political maneuvering. We can say Scott was a world heavyweight champion, and we can't say that for Scott Hall. We can't say that for Jake the Snake Roberts, the million-dollar man, or Rowdy Piper. But Scott Steiner is a champion of the lineage of Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, so on and so on. And the question today is, was he a champion because of his talent, his promos, or his entertainment ability? Or was he a product of a depleted WCW roster? My personal opinion about that, the depleted roster did have something to do with it, but he was the most talented. But I, I don't want that to sound like I'm downgrading his abilities because he was by and far the best wrestler on the roster at the time that he was champion, the world champion. But unfortunately, I mean, he's at a level – you know, he's like at a level 100 where the next closest one may be at like a level 70. I mean, he is that far above him, um, which it's the sad thing about it is it actually doesn't make him look better. Um, you know, and it doesn't make his reign look as good as some of the other ones. Um, but <clears throat> somewhere, you know, a little bit of both. It, it was, I don't think it was based on his promo abilities. I know you like his promos. I didn't really care for his promos. Um, his in-ring ability is good. Entertainment, yes. Yeah, and I know the promos are part of the entertainment. But he just needed 
to tone it down some because that could not be sustainable for a very long time. And and his reign, even if WCW had not been sold off to WWF, his dance hadn't bought them, I think his title reign length would have been the same as what it ended up being. That makes sense? I, I don't think we can rebook his title reign any better than WCW did during this time period. Now, I think he could have won the championship in 1992 when he wrestled Ric Flair for the heavyweight title. Do you think he was and ready? He did. He did on a clash of champions. And wrestling-wise, was he ready? He could have been a very serviceable WCW champion. His issue then was Scott Steiner is not a a face. He's not a goody two shoe good guy that would have carried a territory like Bret Hart. Scott Steiner is a natural bad guy. I think he's more comfortable than being a heel. And they had positioned him as a goody two shoe Michigan graduating good guy. And that's just not who he was. So his his true persona is Big Papa Pump. That's who he is. And for for who he is, like during that time period I do think everything he thinks about Ric Flair is justified based on how Ric Flair wrestled him in 92. And in the same position, I think I'd have the same attitude. Well, Flair was also known for his politics as well. Um, Nowhere near to the level of something like a Hogan or Nash. Or, you know, of course, the click in the WWE. But, you know, Steiner sounds like, I mean, he was kind of holding on to grudges a little bit. You know, which well, a lot of wrestlers do. I mean, and it's very, very common. You know, they, they hold on to grudges. I mean, look at Bret Hart. When you, well, yeah. When you have someone who had, like a Ric Flair, who sandbags you in a match, and I mean, the fact that Steiner could still throw him around, even though Ric Flair is sandbagging him, um, that goes to Steiner's strength. But the peak of his wrestling ability, Flair took his legs out and probably cost him a couple million dollars. But... I think he needed that to become, to channel Big Papa Pump. Without ha- Flair sandbagging him in 92, there is no Big Papa Pump. But that had the, the sandbagging, I'll, I'll have to watch that match again to see which spot you're talking about where he sandbagged him. Um, that match was in 92, and then they left for the WWF. They were in the WWF. Oh, were they, no, they weren't in WrestleMania 9, were they? No. no. They were in WrestleMania 10. Well, yeah, they were in WrestleMania 9. 
They, they wrestled the, the, the head shrinkers. The head shrinkers. That's right. So they were there in '93. I know they were there in '94. Actually, I don't think they were at WrestleMania 10. I know they were in the Royal Rumble uh, because they were um, uh, one of them. I think Rick Steiner was like entrant number two, and then Scott was like entrant number four. And Rick got thrown out by Owen Hart, but then Scott Steiner got thrown out by Kevin Nash, who threw out like you know five or six other people. Um, but then I think they were gone by the time WrestleMania 10 happened. Um, but speaking of their time in the WWF, if you have never seen the match between the Hearts and the Steiners, and this is when they, both teams were faces. Yeah. There's a, there's a match. It was actually on one of their, their Coliseum home videos. If you can find it, that match was absolutely phenomenal. Because that was one of the that was one of the first times I saw Scott do that what you call the the corkscrew. Yeah, I called the it. signer yeah. screwdriver. Yes, he did that to Owen, and Owen came up, and it looked like he was frothing at the mouth. I mean, it was like, oh my! <laughs> and he it, also did what well, he he did the tilt whirl. Also, I think he did that to Brett, and he did it so fast. I had to rewind it and say, what just happened here? And yeah, but the match itself was just absolutely phenomenal. Didn't find it. They they were like wrestling ability wise, early nineties Steiner was unbelievable. And uh, again, the the haircut, like the mullet, meh, you could see why there was discussion in the WWF to elevate him to a single star and also why they kind of chose to go in another direction. But WCW 2000, Steiner could have won in 99 and went through Goldberg. He could have went through Nash. He could have wrestled Scott Hall. The issue with his 2000 run, like, what was left? Kevin Nash was meh. Like, he unmotivated. Like, he his time was over. Everyone else he wrestled, like, Booker T was a tremendous opponent for Scott Steiner. But other than that, Stevie Ray shouldn't be seen on television wrestling outside of a tag team. There, there was not a lot for him to, there was no star to make him a bigger star at that time. They played the hand they were dealt. In other words, he he was the best of what was left. Right. And, did they try to make another star with Booker T? I think they did. Booker T went on to have a tremendous career. Um, Lance Storm could have eventually made it. The Canadian gimmick that they had him running with, with the uh, Saskatchewan province heavyweight title, was tremendous. Uh, where he was the cruiserweight, the television, and the U.S. heavyweight champion all at the same time. And he named him after Canada. It was great. 
they they didn't build a anyone other than Booker T to really wrestle him either. And the best of what was left, the natural born thrillers, they were they were new and just learning. They they weren't ready. Let's see if I can find a, let me see if I can Google and actually find the WC roster in in nineteen ninety nine slash two thousand. So oh, as, there we go. as the I I know um Steiner's in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. He's in the PWI Hall of Fame. He he's he's had a tremendous career. I just think his WCW time it could have been more. It could have. Um, now I do think that Dottie's attitude probably didn't help, and also the backstage annex. And I'm pretty sure you've heard on some of the other podcasts about some of the things that he and Rick like to do to people. They were quite mischievous. Yeah, they're mischievous to the point where they were just asking for a lawsuit. Um, and I that may have had something to do with them not being pushed um, any higher than what they were. Because do you really want your do you really want your world champion being the subject of a lawsuit for something that happens in like high school locker rooms? Uh. Did it really matter back then? Are we looking at that with today's lens and not the time period well, that they were in? Well, I'm just saying if if some of the executives knew about it, you know, like, well, or some of the borderline executives like Shivani, I mean, he knew about it. So that meant other people. Yeah, but same time period, you have the ring – Ringkeeper, the Terry Garvin, Pat Patterson scandal with the Ring Boys. Mm-hmm. You have the sexual harassment lawsuit with um, the Ring announcer. You have Vince McMahon being accused of, and proven guilty for cheating on Linda. There was a, a lot going on backstage that it's a different world today. Like, that never happened in today's locker room. No. Well, especially but, now that um, I can't remember the it's the hashtag or slogan, whatever you want to call it, that's being used right now. But it's it's actions that never should have happened. I'll just leave it at that. You, they were spiking people's drinks with narcotics. Mm-hmm. And thinking it was funny. Yeah. And that's what they did. And like I can't look at something in today's standard and say, well, in 1980 or 1990, that's wrong. That's there's things that happened in our military that won't happen in today's military. Right. So I don't look at it same. Being uh, of different mindset, different religious philosophy today, looking at Steiner's promos from 2000, 2001, I was okay with what I heard back then. I was entertaining. I loved the freaks. 
Ladesia. Big fan. I love that he brought a live tiger. The only wrestler <laughs> in the entire world that walked a live tiger down to the ring. The second was that video. Um, I don't know if you noticed when watching Royal really listened to the video. Yeah, they sped up everything, so probably so they wouldn't get copyrighted. It, uh, <laughs> imagine tur- turning on the television and watching Brock Lesnar walk a tiger down to the ring. I don't care what is going on, and if I'm not a fan or not, if I'm changing the channel and watching, I'm going to pay attention to see if the tiger turns around to get him. That's true. That was still a live tiger. And for Steiner, that's as legitimate as the Bulldogs walking a puppy. I could see that man owning a tiger. Hey, he probably did. Good possibility. I mean, he's not the Tiger King. Of course, I don't watch that show anyway because it looks like trash. But so for for the time period, Steiner was the best of what was there. As a fan, I, I wish he could, it could have bought got. And I wish that he would have had better opponents to showcase his abilities with. Because his his career went downhill after WWF. Triple H sandbagged him, taking revenge on some of the things he said against Flair. And, I mean, his career kind of has fizzled out at the end. Well, Scotty, he's actually, you know, had a pretty good life outside the ring now as well. He's married, got kids, and apparently he's a manager of a restaurant down in Georgia. You know, Shoney's. Shoney's. So he's doing pretty well for himself, I think. And he does have a lot of respect of wrestlers. I mean, and his name is one will always there, – there's nobody that has a neutral opinion about him. So, so – Next week, what are we talking about, Steve? We will talk about Royal Rumble 2014. So everyone needs to watch the event. I'm sure we're going to have some contrasting opinions about it, and we'll have a good discussion on that next week. Yes, sir. So hopefully hopefully we will have a little bit more of an audience. But until then, we'll see you. See you, Kyle. See you.